Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages zero to eight. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood experts, Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss, and make the most out of every chance to teach play and love. First steps, first words, first friendships. These are the moments that baby books are made of. But in between these monumental events, there are many small developments that represent very big and very exciting things. Join Rachel and Claire as they teach you to identify and encourage these lesser known but equally important developmental milestones. Hi Claire, I am so happy to be back with you again talking about the topic we love the most, child development. Yes, we talk about child development, we think about child development all the time at Bright Horizons. And today's topic is something really fun, I think. It's about lesser-known child development milestones. Mm, mm -hmm. So what I mean by that are, I think there are some really big, I call them blockbuster moment milestones mm -hmm. in the early years. We look forward to the first word. We look forward to the first steps. But there are lots and lots of smaller milestones happening in those first couple years that kind of don't, we don't even realize that they are milestones. Right. But often as parents and caregivers, we are irritated and frustrated by these moments. So. I think today's conversation is going to be great because we can reframe our own thinking around this is something really irritating that's happening with my child into, oh, this is actually a milestone right. that's happening. Yeah, I love talking about this topic with families because it's like insider knowledge behind the scenes, what's going on with think child development and, and intellectual and physical development and things that you should really care about and be excited about because they're a precursor to more great, interesting things happening. But like you said, sometimes they... We, they miss our notice because maybe they're just something we're trying to get through or they just, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't, they're not blockbusters, uh, to use your word. They're, they're, they kind of sneak in there unnoticed sometimes. So we're going to highlight a few to get people thinking like this and, and notice some of these lesser known milestones. Yeah, do you have one you want to get us started with? Yeah, so the one that comes to mind always the first for me is something that when my two daughters were young, I spent plenty of time um, coping with is <laughs> things getting knocked off the table or a high chair. And I specifically, when I'm talking about this, I can envision my oldest daughter holding a spoon and looking me in the eye with a little grin and dropping it. I just can envision it. I can see her in my mind and she would have a spoon in her hand. She was maybe about 11, 12 months old, somewhere in that early toddler age. And she would look me in the eye and she had a little grin on her face and she would drop it and that happened over and over and over and she was having so much fun with it. I know that that was early scientific thinking. That's she was right. learning everything about everything. I say that phrase a lot but it is because it's so true about young children. They don't have prior experience. They don't know the same thing is going to happen over and over again. They don't know about gravity. Mm -hmm. They don't even have these conscious thoughts but they do have a lot of intellectual curiosity and wondering yeah. And experimenting is a huge part of life, and a huge part of a lot of careers, a huge part of being a learner. And so that's what the, she's doing. And she's doing that over and over. She's looking at my reaction. She's looking at what's happening with a spoon. And so what, whatever it is, it's a cup, it's a, some Cheerios. 
if they do that kind of repetitive behavior like that, regardless of the direction you give to them, like, let's not throw that spoon anymore. Let's use it for your <laughs> applesauce or whatever. And then maybe maybe then they throw the spoon with applesauce on it, and there's a yeah. whole new experiment right. about oh, to happen. Brand new information. Yeah. yeah. So that is that is great thinking. They are thinking. They are processing. Yeah. They are wondering. They're acting on their curiosity there. That is really good stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect example of, a, of a, something that's happening that they're consciously able to do, even though they can't consciously put it all into thought. That can feel fairly frustrating some days, yeah. but is really valuable. I think it's super frustrating because typically it's at a meal time and you're trying to move on to the next part of your day and now you've got this big mess to clean up or you just want them to focus on their meal and all they want to do is play, which we know is right. actually learning. Um, I, I think I was one of our colleagues said, you know, you have to remember, as babies can't Google something. If they want to know <laughs> what's going to happen when I throw this cup, they don't have any other way to find out yeah. except to throw the cup. And we, That's and it. actually, it's a great thing. It would be good if some of us couldn't Google some things too, because that process of inquiry and having to experiment and find out is such a good foundational skill for life. And we don't want to get intellectually lazy and not be pursuing our own interests and trying to figure stuff out so it's it's fantastic that they get that opportunity yep. and you can set boundaries of course around it that's part of learning too is when can i do this when can't i do this so it's not like it's a, it has to be a free-for-all in those situations <laughs> but just to recognize what's going yeah. on and that this is actually telling you a little bit about their intellectual development yes um, another lesser known milestone is stranger awareness or stranger anxiety um, so this, again, it's a big milestone, but I think a lot of families overlook it as a milestone because f the experience as a parent or caregiver can be really frustrating. Um, it can be kind of scary. So you've got this adorable little baby infant who is, can be happily passed around to grandma, grandpa, cousins, siblings, and then suddenly around four, five, six months old, you pass the baby to grandma who's visiting from out of town and suddenly this just this baby just bursts into tears. Mm -hmm. And this is very surprising for you and it's upsetting for you because you want this baby to get to know their grandma, and not, but the baby can't keep it together. So again, very upsetting for you as a parent and caregiver, but if you can take a minute to pause and remember this is a really great milestone, it's a huge cognitive milestone for your baby and it's caused by a few different things going on. One is that there's a huge burst in sensory input around four or five, six months old. So suddenly they are really getting to know what you smell like, what you sound like, what you feel like as, as mom and dad, or whoever your primary And even what you look like, because their vision you, is yes, developing, vision. so they're clear, it's clearer. Right, they can yeah. see more. So then suddenly they know who's not you, and that's the other part of this milestone, is that a lot of families don't realize that the first few months of life, newborn babies, that, that kind of fourth trimester, infants don't realize that they're separate from you. They really do feel like they're still an extension of you, whoever the primary caregivers are. So around four, five, six months old, they are waking up to the world in a whole new way, and they're also realizing, oh, hey, wait a second. I am not the same as you. I am separate from you. That is terrifying <laughs> for a lot of babies. And unfortunately, in the US, this is also around the time that a lot of parents go back to work after being home on family leave. So you've got some sometimes really emotionally charged drop-off situations mm -hmm. with your new caregiver, or even if it's a familiar caregiver, if it's not whoever's been taking care of this baby since day one, it can be very, very upsetting for the infant. And then, of course, subsequently upsetting for whoever's doing the drop-off. So it's a good sign. The only thing you can do in that moment is take a deep breath, communicate with your caregiver about 
about what's going on. You can call later and make sure the babies stop crying. They, they will have stopped crying. And it's actually a really good sign it means your baby's bonded to you. So if you, can, if you can take a deep breath and remember that it's a good cognitive sign, it takes the edge off a little bit. It does. And they're also starting to understand this concept of object permanence. So mm. they also know you exist even when you're not, when they can't see you. Right. But they don't have control of when you're coming back. They can't, they can't read a clock. They can't read, look at a calendar. They don't know, oh, after my two o'clock meeting, then I'll see my mom again. They don't have that right. ability. <laughs> and, they, and they're not in control of it either. So that's some of their, mm. one of the things we talk a lot about with especially babies and toddlers is they don't have a lot of communication tools available to them. So they use what they have. And crying works. Crying gets a response from the adults. It's, yeah. it's, it's biologically purposeful. And they will learn from those cues and the responses of the adults. So if, if you are in a, a situation where there's separation anxiety and the parent gets distressed and shows a lot of anxiety, yep. that reinforces to the baby, hmm, this is something I should be a little worried about because this person who I trust and love is really worried about it. So much easier said than done. And yeah. even working in childcare, I dealt with this with my kids and it was really hard mm -hmm. on me as much as it was on them. Probably more because I had all the adult thinking going on with it. <laughs> but they, uh, and they, and kids also go through this at about, sometimes at about 11 to 12 months too. So even if it's yes. at four to six months, it's not necessarily over. But yes, it is it good back. to remember, again, like good, co this is a good sign of cognitive development. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean you don't have to pay special attention and get yourself through it. I used to, I started a new job when my youngest daughter was about one and a half and her teacher that she bonded with left at five o'clock every day and I would be flying out of the office at 4.30, Miss Holly's gonna leave, I have to get back to the center because otherwise my youngest daughter would be crying until we figured out how to add some transition things for drop off and pick up mm -hmm. that helped her feel a little sense of control. And that's the other thing that's happening. Yeah. They're starting to, especially in that 11 to 12 month early toddler, they're learning that there's some things in their environment they can control, but they can't figure out which ones or which yeah. make a difference. So that's another thing is they're they're trying to control you and your, when you're there and who's there in their life. And they're looking for an mm -hmm. opportunity to do, to have some control and to be able to predict. So the thing we did with my youngest daughter is give her something to do around that time Holly was getting ready to go that also helped cue to her right. that that meant I was on my way. Right. So she started to figure that out. So she had a little control over I the I got situation. a little breathing room. I didn't have to fly out of there every day <laughs> because of Holly's schedule. That's a great story. Yeah. So another one I really like to talk about is imaginative play and, and kids role playing and taking on different characters because we just think this is good fun and oh they're having so much fun playing and we sort of relegate that or minimize it as it's just an extra mm -hmm. side thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually really great. Kids with good imaginations have all sorts of other good outcomes. If you had and if your child ends up with an imaginary friend, that's actually a really good thing. I say that partially because I know I had an imaginary friend that came over to dinner. My parents tell me all sorts of stories about her. 
Um, but I also know it's true that any level of imagination, if your child wants to be a character that they've created or a character that they know all the time, go with it. Imagination yes. and having a really rich imagination is fantastic. It means a lot of things. It means that they're understanding symbolism. Mm -hmm. It means that they can take on characteristics, that they understand people are different and they have different personalities. Yep. They're playing around with what they know about human interactions so they are able to test things out. That's a lot of what happens in imaginary play is kids figure out life. They think, yeah. okay, my dad's, my mom's, my caregivers, I see them having these roles. Let me try those out. Let me, mm -hmm. let me experiment with those. I saw something scary. Let me, let me pursue that. Let me figure that out in my play, in my yeah. imaginary play. Yeah. And when they can use their hands or a block or a banana as a phone or mm -hmm. uh, some other tool or toy, that's symbolic play. That's pretty advanced cognitive thinking for a young child, that they're able to transfer the awareness of one item onto another item. That's great stuff. So, so we want that, in, and you might notice those things in their play. That sometimes kids like to really direct play in imaginary play. That's also something that they're taking control. They're sort of navigating the life situations that they're predicting. Yeah. Everything you can think about that a child might need for being a curious learner, a problem solver, having resilience in learning but also in life, all of those things start to show up. Imaginary play, it's just so full of good stuff. So you, you absolutely want to make time for it value it and jump right on in, but let them be the director. Yeah. And and just really value it for all of those good things, not have it be a side thing, an extra thing, if we have time, or, or and don't try to get them to stop. If they wanna right. bring it to dinner, if they wanna bring it to bed, as long as you can do those routines the way that it works for your families, mm -hmm. just let them go with it. I remember two of my kids had imaginary friends, but the precursor to that was one of, the, the one of my kids who held on to the imaginary friend the longest, he's got a really great sense of imagination, he was the one who picked up the blocks and was like pretending they were, he was talking to grandma on the mm -hmm. phone. And I remember because of my background, I thought, oh, the milestone's happening. And I just got so excited because I knew that meant he was gonna have this really rich world to yeah. escape to. This little baby toddler was, mm -hmm. was in, his, in his toddler speak, I could see this, the way he was holding the block up to his face and the, the intonation of his babble. I was like, oh, he's having a little imagination moment right now. Yeah, that's so cute. I remember my youngest daughter and um, a, a friend had a son that was about the same age and they we worked together and they would play office. And the <laughs> things that they would do, they would set up computers and phones and yeah. we were a little like, oh, that's what we do? And we sort of learned about ourselves <laughs> yeah. through watching their play. They're both 19 now, those children, and they remember playing office. They had made up names. They had like a routine. They brought, they got their bags ready to go to work. <laughs> it was, but it was them processing what they saw their mothers doing, and our, and even our relationship that they were yeah. processing through that play. So much good processing and learning happening when we mm -hmm. let them play like that. Yep. Um, another milestone that I like a lot is when you realize that your um, preschoolers, maybe older toddlers, younger preschoolers, start to realize the um, same and different. Mm -hmm. And this is just something that I think that whizzes by a lot of parents. They, it's just something that happens. But you know who had this, hit the nail on the head with this was Sesame Street. They had that great song, One of These Things Is Not oh, Like right. the Other, that apparently I used to parade around my house screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> 
I was really big into this, I think because I had, uh, I was the middle child of three kids, and so I was constantly, I was the only girl, I was constantly comparing and contrasting and sorting things, and this is mine and that's yours, and these are my toys and they look different than your toys, and all these other things that were going on, I wanted to categorize everything really early on. It's really a, a great milestone because it's the beginning of math concepts, okay? So um, kids start to, we see this start to happen with toddlers and preschoolers when they say, you can say things to them like, oh, we're both wearing black shirts today, Rachel. I noticed that, that you and I are wearing the same color shirt. You can have your toddler start sorting socks and you'll see them start to get the concept of these two are the same, these two are different, these two are the same size, these two are different colors. And that milestone, when it clicks, it really clicks. And then toddlers and preschoolers start sorting everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is, like you said, such an important early mathematical skill. Like if we flip this conversation a little bit and look at the things we're looking for, but a lot of times we're looking for, do they know their numbers? That's such a small sliver mm -hmm. of math. Mm -hmm. And we actually don't want them to just be able to say or recite or sing those numbers. This is true of the alphabet too, because that's, that's meaningless. When, it, when it's yep. just a recitation like that. What we want is them to understand those numbers. So comparing and contrasting, using mathematical vocabulary, looking for patterns, wanting to stop on a walk maybe and look at everything or point everything mm -hmm. out or ask lots of questions. Mm -hmm. It's all good scientific mathematical reasoning and thinking, knowing that of this one-to-one -one correspondence is really important, knowing that each person gets one of everything and making that match of a pile. I always use the example of napkins because kids do this a lot at a mealtime. You, you pass out the napkins, everybody needs one. Being able to figure that out, yeah. one, I have a stack of napkins and I'm gonna give one to each person, that is the beginning of number sense. Patterns, mm -hmm. similarities, comparing and contrasting, sequencing things, that's all the beginning of the, geometry and trigonometry and algebra, yeah. they're gonna get there, this is the foundation for it. Yeah. So you can also think in that sense of, you started talking about, we think about those blockbuster moments, but we should know what the blockbuster moments are too, because being able to say the numbers one through 50 is, it's good, but it doesn't tell us as much about their mathematical abilities as some of these right. other things do. Yeah, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of things like that when we think about school readiness and these big blockbuster moments and other big milestone that parents look forward to is the first time your child writes their name. Mm -hmm. That might happen in, you know, when they're five, six years old, but there's a lot of other really cool milestones that lead up to that, that right. we just blow right past. So one, a lesser known milestone related to that bigger milestone would be something like um, the first time your child, you notice a pattern to their scribbles. Mm -hmm. So we give a, a toddler, a preschooler, a crayon and some paper and you see all kinds of, you know, nonsensical, I know our listeners can't see me motioning with my <laughs> hand right now, but at some point, you'll pick up the sheet and you'll notice on that piece of scribble, on that piece of paper that has scribbles on it, that there's something that might look like the first letter of their first name. Mm -hmm. And that's a big moment because what's going on there? They've seen a symbol, maybe during story time you've pointed out, this is an R, er, er, Rachel, like Rachel, right? And you've pointed that out a hundred times and maybe you've worked with them and they've seen it and they're starting to make that big swoop of the R with a line or something along those lines. That's a big milestone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what better thing to ha get to learn to write and use the letters for than your name. It's a perfect place for kids to start. And let's just even reverse that to the first milestone we talked about, grasping that spoon and being able to throw it or even a small little Cheerio. 
that is a critical writing skill. So you can value it. So if your child picks up that Cheerio or whatever you have on their tray and throws it down, you can say to yourself, oh, they're gonna be a good writer. They're, they're, that pincer grip is going well and they are able to do the fine motor control it takes to grab something really small. There's eye-hand coordination going on like that and you absolutely need it for writing. So I, I hope that this has been fun for everyone to listen to. There are so many more examples we could talk about. But I guess the lesson is, is that even when it's frustrating, even when it's happening a lot, certainly you can provide guidance and boundaries and that is a way children learn as well. But understand that these milestones, these small little milestones are actually the big deals that are happening and you wanna support those and promote those and get just as excited about those as those bigger ones that we're typically looking for in life. Embrace the mess and remember that within these tiny moments, your child is reaching important developmental milestones. And when you acknowledge these small accomplishments, you'll find magic in the everyday. So keep observing, keep celebrating, and maybe keep a few extra tiles handy during mealtime. For more expert guidance on early childhood development, check out our family resources at brighthorizons.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach Play Love. And discover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.